Welcome to another episode of the Ask a CISO podcast, powered by Harangi, Asia's leader in cloud security. Every episode, you get insider tips and insights into the current challenges and newest trends in cybersecurity from the world's best experts to help level up your cybersecurity career. Here's your host, Jeremy Snyder, to introduce today's guests. Fantastic. What you've just seen was a trailer for the world of haiku. Really exciting stuff here. And we are delighted to be joined today on the Ask a CISO podcast by the creator of World of Haiku, Eric Basu. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Yeah, good morning, Jeremy. And thanks for the opportunity to be on uh, on your podcast. Well, it's really a pleasure to have you. And maybe just before we kind of dive into the conversation, let me just take a minute to give a quick introduction for those who have just witnessed that trailer and maybe would like to know more about you. So what I can share with the audience is that Eric Basu is the chief executive officer of Haiku Incorporated, a company that makes games that train. Their product suite includes the world of Haiku, a role-playing game set in a dystopian cyberpunk future that teaches players real-world cybersecurity skills that align with CEH, Certified Ethics hacker and other cybersecurity certifications. Prior to heading Haiku, Eric headed Centec Global for more than two decades, where he steered the company to being a leader in cybersecurity and technology solutions for government and commercial clients. Outside of his professional commitments, Eric is also a limited and venture partner at the Veteran Fund, a member on the board of directors for the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation, and a member of the board of advisors for Saved in America, a nonprofit that helps rescue and rehabilitate trafficked children. Eric spent almost a decade as a special warfare officer with the U.S. Navy SEALs. That is quite an impressive and diverse background, if I do say so myself, Eric. It's a real pleasure to have you on today, as we talked about. And I guess just to kind of kick off the conversation coming off of viewing that, what was the inspiration? What kind of led you to start World of Haiku? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. My last company, Centec Global, was a defense contractor, and we hired a lot of cybersecurity people. And I found that as I was hiring cybersecurity people, a lot of the time they'd come in with degrees or they'd come in with certifications, but none of that was really a measure for whether they could do the hands-on work. And we hired a variety of people. We hired Department of Defense compliance people. We hired security engineers. We did a little bit of pen testing, the offensive cybersecurity side. But really, there was no way to tell that unless we had a hands-on way of checking their their ability to actually do the work. And so we actually looked at SASC, a company called SASC was spinning off a product called CyberNexus, which was a capture the flag type of platform. And we had looked at potentially acquiring that. And then as I left that meeting, I was talking to my technology guy and thought, you know, a couple things. One is it was built on big iron. We should rebuild this in the cloud. And then two, I said, we should actually need to offer this to consumers because they're only offering it to government and academia. And the reality is if you can offer a cost-effective platform for training hands-on, people hands-on, that doesn't exist. And it, that was about six years ago and that it didn't exist. And so you fast forward, I sold that company, my last company, Centec Global to Deloitte in July of last year. And I immediately spun up Haiku to do exactly that, to be able to build video games that teach people how to do skills. And we put out kind of what I like to call a marketing alpha, which was, you know, as a, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And so I believe the best way to do market research is give something to people and see it to buy and see if they want to buy it. And if they don't want to buy it, then ask them why. I mean, I just, yeah, sorry, it sounds very basic, but I mean, I have MBA from UCLA and, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to do high level analytics for market research. The best thing is put it out in front of your target audience and see if they buy it. So the feedback we got from Marketing Alpha was immediate. It was called the Haiku Range is what we called it at the time. We put a video game 
front end on top of an AWS back end so that people could go in and we carry them through the hero story of the video game in the back end. They're actually banging on AWS network. And the feedback was immediate. People who said, I love the idea of a video game that teaches me cybersecurity. But guys, this is too darn hard. I don't know what to do when you put me at the Kali Linux interface. I need more, I need more hand, I need more, I need, I need to have somebody, you know, help me more. And you see that now with people that try products like Try Hack Me. And I've heard this time and time again is if you want to get into cybersecurity and you're coming completely cold and you go to Try Hack Me, it's not easy, right? I mean, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of effort. The other people that I heard from were people that were actually cybersecurity professionals say, hey, you're going to give me a Kali Linux box and I can bang on the back end. Great. Can you please get rid of this front end? Because it's just keeping me from doing what I'd like to be doing, which is just getting into the hard stuff, right? Just give me a Kali Linux box, do some goals and let me go. So we developed our two products from there. The World of Haiku is a no kidding video game. We basically hired a whole video game team. Vincent Lequo is our lead video game developer. Brilliant, very, very talented man. And I went to the team and I had them all read a book by uh, Silly Hoden. She's very uh, brilliant uh, as well. She's a UI UX developer, but she wrote a book called The Gamer's Brain. And it talks about how, she's a psychologist, I believe, as well. And she says, how do you use your video games to teach people the skills they need? And she did it with the idea of having people enjoy your game more. And I looked at that and I've been thinking from the beginning, you know, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. So I can still tell you the difference between a, and a trebuchet and a hippogriff and a manticore. Completely useless information, right? Nobody's going to hire me and go, well, do you know the difference between a hippogriff and a manticore? You know, some questions never been asked in a job interview. But it went in my long-term memory, and it's been there for 40-plus years. And so I thought, do video games teach us? If you're a first-person shooter person, the ability to do a drop shot 360, that's long-term memory. You pick it up again, and you get it. The ability to do, you know, I like Elder Scrolls, the ability to do potions and Elder Scrolls, that's all sitting in my long-term memory. So video games teach us. And it's a combination of they break down your barriers because you're having fun. And two is they actually have a, a way in which they do that. And Celia Hoden in her book really, really hit that well. So I made the entire, well, I didn't make them. I told everybody it's mandatory. You have to read this book. And we developed a learning engine actually in World of Haiku. And one of the things we do, for example, is Celia recommends this is you introduce a concept once, you introduce it a second time, you refresh the brain with a different concept, go off and fight some other monster. Then you come back and you do kind of a, TX or a boss fight or something to ingrain that. And so we went back and we spent a lot of time and I said, we need to get that learning core engine right. And let's do that repeatedly for the different concepts that we have in World of Haiku. And I have to say, I think it was a real success. I mean, I had one person who messaged us on Facebook Messenger and said he was Australian Defense Forces and he had installed Linux two months before and really wanted to get in cybersecurity, but he said, I have not been able to figure out how to do this. I just haven't been able to focus because he said he had PTSD. And he said, with your game, World of Haiku, he goes, I can't stop playing it. This is the first time I've been able to understand Linux because of the way you're doing it. And so little data points like that, I was playing it one weekend through Mission 5, and I thought my muscle memory for Linux is better than it's been in my life. I read a review just a few minutes later from somebody saying, my muscle memory for Linux is better than it's ever been before in my life. So we've definitely hit something that is helping people who were not able to, you know, go into a Kali Linux box just naturally and go, oh my God, I'm, a, I'm you know, I'm a Beethoven and I can, my fingers can fly over the keyboard and they're getting it. And so we were really happy about doing that. And the whole idea there is we teach more complex skills. The other thing we did with World of Haiku is we built a simulated environment. So you may feel like you're in a Linux box, but you notice when you type a man command, you don't get four or five pages of stuff you have to go sift through to try to figure out what it was that you were trying to find. You actually get a very short paragraph and it's highlighted in green and red with all the things you need to know. And you have an active manual where it'll actually take only the commands that you've learned and put it in that manual. 
So you're not dealing with 300 Linux commands, you're dealing with the five commands that you've learned. And so I've heard some feedback from people say, well, there are other commands that you could put in here. I'm like, okay, guys, we have to build all this for one thing, right? I mean, so yes, I, there are a hundred commands, but unfortunately I'm not a, you know, I'm not a billionaire with a billion dollars to throw at this. This is all bootstrap company and we're all trying to make it work with our dev team. But what we've done with the commands we have, people really seem to be absorbing the concepts better than they could have. And sorry, that was kind of a long monologue. No, it's great. A lot of the thought that went with Haiku. Look, there's so much to unpack in that alone, but I can tell you, like, as you're going, so many things are firing my brain. One of the things that definitely fired was up, up, down, round, left, right, left, right, BA, which is one of those muscle memory things that I think is actually like really real. And from a gamer's perspective, like putting people in a familiar context that they know that they have some muscle memory for, it's a very, very conducive environment to then opening up new things. If you think about games and kind of the quests that you go on, accumulating skills, skills, that psychological point that you mentioned, you know, you introduce a concept, you reinforce it, then you introduce a different concept, and then you reference back to that original one. You've got this kind of contextualization of a learning path as you go there. There's so much we could dive into and so on. And I've thought about how you're talking about building up an array of accumulated skills that you then, you know, grep into that manual when you're issuing the commands. I could see that as well playing out. But one question I want to ask is, As you were going through kind of asking everybody on your team to read that book or requiring them to read that book, what in that kind of did you see as the psychological, let's say, overlap between a game designer or a game player and a cybersecurity practitioner? Because you've been a cybersecurity practitioner or a cybersecurity leader for decades at this point, right? And so there's got to be some kind of elements of common psychological, maybe profile is too strong a word, but some kind of common interests or, or common, let's say, learning approaches that you must have thought about as you thought about kind of merging those worlds of gaming and cybersecurity. Any thoughts, anything come to mind there? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. And you're right. It's an hour conversation just by itself, I think. Some of the common, so what well, some of the observations, the outside observations, one would be that cybersecurity is not easy to learn. And that's one of the reasons I thought if we could take a completely different approach to it. And, and you see this because, again, Try Hack Me didn't exist. And my hat's off to those guys that built that. I mean, they came out of nowhere and they have 1.7 million users in a couple of years and they're straight out of college, you know. I love the, uh, I know they're British, but the American dream, I call it, about yeah. starting your own business. And they've been phenomenal. And I'm really happy whenever I see that. But I keep hearing, for example, it's too hard. Right. And I can see that. I go into Trihap and I, I play the rooms and I'm kind of like, what does this mean for me in the big picture? What does this mean? How does this connect me to a job? How does it connect me to a certification? And to be honest, if I hadn't been in cybersecurity, I don't think I would have been able to do this. There are tons of videos out there online that you can look at as well. And even those are not enough to be able to teach you the skills. There's certainly an overlap between cybersecurity practitioners and video game practitioners in terms of the geek factor. Right. People love, you know, the video that you showed at the beginning. I mean, it was really funny. Somebody from PC Gamer wrote, I don't even call it a negative review because it was actually a really humorous review. And he called the main character in there, Corporal Cyber Clown, the one in the very beginning with the blue makeup. And he kept ragging on that and ragging on that. And one of the, the feedback in one of the comments from somebody was, I hate to tell you this, but that's actually how security analysts dress. We do dress in clown makeup with <laughs> We all laughed at that. We thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought it was a really fun thing. But uh, the geek factor is huge. You know, if you were to channel Star Wars, the vector runs strong in these ones. Right. Uh, for both video game and the cybersecurity practitioners. But 
again, from my real take on this one is that we needed to make it easier. And there's great, they just did a study on Duolingo. Are you familiar with Duolingo? Yeah. 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 So it's not truly a video game, although it's more video game like than a lot of other gamified training programs. But they said, if you do a beginner's course in Duolingo in French or Spanish, how does that compare to somebody in college? And they found out that if you do just a beginner's course, which you could do and be somewhere between one to three months, depending on how much you put time into it, time you put into it, it's the equivalent speaking, I'm sorry, listening and reading as it is to taking two years of college in French right. or Spanish. Right. And so you have basically a, a free or nearly free platform that has better learning results than the traditional. We've had universities since what? 1200. Yeah. I mean, for almost a month, you know, it's better than the ways we have been teaching ourselves for hundreds of years. And that's what we're trying to do with World of Haiku is we know that cybersecurity is difficult to learn. We know that the degrees and the certifications have value, but they aren't necessarily what employers are looking for. They're looking for experience, which means hands on experience. Yeah. Can we teach that better than the traditional learning methods? Yeah. yeah sorry, that was kind of a roundabout no. into your question. But yeah. I think I think what we've proven in World of Haiku is the answer is yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And do you think that that to your earlier comment about kind of, let's say, people coming out of school, but not necessarily being ready to jump into those environments, that's one of those things that you hear kind of across the board in information technology domains, not only cybersecurity, but even in things like programming, is that there's often a big gap between theoretical knowledge and applied knowledge. It's taught one way from a theoretical standpoint, but once you get into an actual environment, you've got all these kind of non-theoretical factors going on, things like uh -huh. pressure to deliver and deadlines and shipping times and collaboration. And by the way, you might have some teammates yeah. that are on very, very different levels than you, some much, much further advanced and some who might be below you. And so I imagine that's also got to be one of those things that you're trying to help people do is to go from, let's say, some might come into World of Haiku with a theoretical understanding, but no real kind of practical hands-on keyboard real-world experience. Did that factor into some of the design decisions as well? Kind of, in, in both in World of Haiku. I mean, World of Haiku is our product to get people with no experience. Okay. And again, back I've given you is that it seems to be very, very good in that. We carry them over to Haiku Pro, which is a definitely a more advanced product. It's a Chrome-based browser, and you go in there and you log in, and you can pick a range, and we've got a selection of ranges in the beginning adding more ranges all the time. And uh, we give a series of hints to help take you through that. And it's a fun story, of course. Yeah. You know, one of them is Silk Road, where there's evil drug cartels that are doing bad things, and you have to go hack their website and deface their website. Yeah. And uh, so just, you know, fun, fun stories. But then we also give hints so that if you're really stuck, you can go ahead and do the hints. But the reality is, unless you are really comfortable at a Kali Linux box. It's not, I wouldn't say, hey, go Haiku Pro. Yeah, you're going to be, you're going to fall right in there and you're going to do great. Because I think most people will have the same experience they did with our Haiku range product is Kali Linux is actually really hard. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things in here that I wasn't able to get. But the context of what we're trying to do, I realized that as I, as I looked at a lot of these products and I thought one is, um, you know, I, I hear people like one young lady on our Discord said, uh, do you have any recommendations for entry-level jobs? I don't know what to look for. And I said, have you tried SOC Analyst? She was I've never even known what that is. Yeah. She typed in, she goes, oh my God, these are all entry-level jobs. And I thought, people don't have the context to know the skills, what the skills they're doing turn into in terms of jobs. So we actually, because we're able to track everything in the Unity engine that we built World of Haiku in, video games are great at that, right? I mean, they're yeah. trying to monetize somebody from five feet and you can turn that into, you know, something. Yeah. And so you can, me we measure everything in there. Yeah. To a lesser extent in high 
control, but certainly because it's a controlled environment, we can measure it. And so we're actually able to look at the individual skills people use, like Nmap, for example, and we can go pull jobs that ask for Nmap. Yeah. We can present them. Now, 99% of the time, the job's going to have other requirements that you don't match, right? They're going to require three years of experience or an OSCP or something. But the idea there is let's give people who are trying to get into cybersecurity an idea of the kind of jobs that are out there. And then it might change. Somebody might go, well, I have to be a pen tester. And then they go in there and look, no, I don't want to be a pen tester. I want to be a forensic analyst. That's what I really like to do. And I didn't know about it until I was presented with this job. That's one thing we do. And we call it the Job Connect. The other thing we do is because we can track everything they're doing, we, so we can actually give them and we're giving them when we release Haiku Pro at the end of September, that's going to be in here as a available option for anybody that has World of Haiku. You just sign up for even the free Haiku Pro account, and then you'll get access to the skills resume. And so you can go there and we're actually going to be able to give somebody a resume. They can show to an employer and say, I have 100 hours in offensive cybersecurity. I'm rated an apprentice level two. These are all examples. Yeah. As you break that down. The actual NMAP skill I have used 65 times and I've spent an hour and five minutes using that skill and I'm right as an apprentice level one in NMAP. And then you go down for all the other skills that we're measuring. And when I talk to employers about this, they, the CISO and just the hiring manager level, they're like, this is what I've been looking for. I can see the degree. I can see the certification. The years of experience are helpful, but knowing actually how many hours they've spent in the thing that I am hiring them for. That's gold. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do is really, you know, because the main point of all this is the, these people on this side are trying to get a job and these people over here are trying to hire qualified people. We're trying to make that these people over here have the right bona fides to get hired by these people over here. Yeah. And is that part of the haiku career training path or the career training system? Yeah, it's both. It's yeah, yes. The short answer is yes, but that encompasses our job connect and the haiku skills resume as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really interesting, especially kind of going back to your earlier point about helping train people from the beginning. And you gave that example of the woman who did the training and didn't even know about a SOC analyst as being a role. That seems to be such a valuable kind of path to take somebody through that learning process, get them deeper, get them some applied hands on learning, get them to kind of transition from theoretical into applied or, or if they're from that background, but then get them exposure into what is all out there. And I think that's really valuable. And we hear, and I'm sure you've heard this stat, and we actually had a conversation with the previous guest about whether there's too much truth in this or not, but we hear about, let's say, a shortage of cybersecurity workers. And so any kind of initiatives like this that I think can help to fill roles and help cu customers do better with security has got to be a net positive in the world. So kudos to you and your team for undertaking this. I want to take a little bit of a break from Haiku for a second and ask about some things that are kind of, I think of as being related to security training that are, let's say, maybe less on the specific cybersecurity practitioner profile, but more kind of general security one of the things that comes to mind when I think about kind of cyber training platforms is, you know, this annual security training or the annual security review that a lot of organizations go through. It's something that we all dread. Right. It's something that I've seen personally. I've seen people at their desks doing it where they just run the videos on a second screen, let them go through because there's something tracking that they've actually watched all the videos. And it becomes, in my mind, right. a kind of check the box exercise. Does that kind of match with your observations over the years? 
You know, you couldn't be more right. I was just a black hat this last week. Yeah. And I was, it's funny, we solidified the games that train out of that because I was talking to somebody and they said, so you do game five training. And I thought about it for a second. I said, no, we do games that train. And they said, well, it's the same thing, right? I said, no, it's not. I said, so if you take training, like security compliance training that's required, and so you put some badges on it, stillborn, right? Yeah. You put it in a video and you have people doing fun role-playing, stillborn. I mean, but nobody looks at that and says, this is fun, right? You take a game, by definition, a game must be fun, right? Yeah. Nobody's ever said is uh, create a game and it's not going to be fun. This is going to be completely new. And because it's not fun, everybody's going to know it. You create a game by definition, whether it's a kickball or it's a card game or it's a video game, it must be fun because yeah. we're appealing to that part of our brains. So we create games and we make two co-priorities. One is the fun factor. The other co-priority is that... Um, it actually has to teach real skills. And that's what we did. And I actually talked to the, my dev team. I said, my two daughters, I have no interest in cybersecurity. And I told the team, I said, if my daughters don't want to play World of Haiku, then we failed. And they actually internalized that. I actually jumped in on a meeting one time, a virtual meeting, and heard somebody saying, if Eric's daughters can't play this game or don't want to play this game, we failed. I'm like, okay, good. I already internalized that. But the reality is we wanted to make a game that, number one, was fun for people that don't even like cybersecurity. Yeah. So that's, sorry, that's another long getting back to what you're saying is, yeah. and that's what we do is games that trend. So we're actually expanding into areas exactly like you talked about. We've got a few different initiatives, which I can't really talk about too specifically. Sure. I like to wait till I actually have the product market first, but specifically where we're addressing issues like that, but we're creating a game. And yeah. First and foremost, as I look at the game perspective and a game builder perspective is what video game would I do to do this? You know, for World of Haiku, we used a role-playing game, but would this be a role-playing game or would it be a trading card game? Yeah. Or would it be kind of a puzzle game? And what would it be? Now that I've got a game and we've got a fun game, how do I in- get all of these concepts that I'm trying to teach in the game? So yeah. by the time they're done, they're just kind of like, that was a f- kind of fun way to spend a half hour yeah. by my boss. Yeah. But they've internalized the, the actual concepts as well. So the, you know, the games that train, that is really what we do. Cybersecurity, yeah, yeah. yeah. offensive, that's part of it. But all these other opportunities for being able to let people learn better than they can through the current ways in which we're trying to teach them. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about that. And, you know, when we're kids, a lot of educational institutions, schools, etc., are really leaning into that idea of games that teach. And so, you know, very, very yeah. similar to what you're saying, games that train. And that's a, it is definitely different than, let's say, gamifying an exercise that is fundamentally a training exercise and everybody knows that going into it. And as you said, those things kind of often are dead in the water. But I do wonder, as we transition from childhood into adulthood and from school into careers, somehow that whole idea gets, often gets thrown out the window of there being value in, in embracing a game that trains. And yet there's this saying that humans are often the weakest link in the defense chain. And I guess first, A, do you agree with that? B, do you think we should really like go to HR departments or who do we need to go to to get them on board with this idea that it's not about gamification. It's not about trying to make our quote unquote training platforms more fun. We should really like re-expose adults to games as a learning tool. Who do we talk to? Is it the CEO? Is it the head of HR? Yeah, I love where you're going with that. One is I think you're 100% right. I mean, it's funny, one of my board members said, the problem is when we're selling at the board level, for example, you simply use the word video game and you turn off a a huge number of them because it's kind of like video games, 
Yeah. This is serious business. That's right. Doing, yeah. You know, we're, yeah. Whatever it is we do, and we're making billions of dollars a year, and we don't have time for video games. And that's kind of the same thing you think, right? Unless you're really talking to somebody who's been a gamer their entire life, it's kind of like, I don't have time for video games. And uh, I mean, as an example, I mentioned that I played Dungeons and Dragons when I could, you couldn't say that 10 years ago without people going, oh my God, you're kind of, you're one of those freaks, right? Now, I, you know, I mean, I got, the, I got the same example of you, sorry, response that you gave me when I tell people like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, oh, it's cool now. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the idea that we can play really geeky out of the way, out of the world, the real world games, because it helps us develop our minds in ways that the normal things we go through during our life don't stimulate our brains is something that I think people are coming more and more to embrace. To answer your question, who do we approach in the corporation? I'm not sure it's HR because you have a lot of people in HR who are still old school, right? Yeah. Well, we know how to do it. I've got a power presentation right yep. here that teaches yep. that. Why would I need a video? Yep. You know, why? I'm not going to buy a video game. I can't put that on a corporate on my budget. Yeah. The ones that have found that most embrace it, at least for the cybersecurity side, are the actual cybersecurity practitioners, particularly the ones that have played World of IQ. And in their mind, they immediately recognize this is a better way to teach. And then they become evangelists and they start pushing it out there. I think as we start having other things that we're teaching other than offensive and defensive cybersecurity in that niche, if we do do security compliance training, for example, I think you get a few people who are forward thinkers within the organization and they actually play the game and they think two things. One is this is fun is, hey, I actually learned this stuff and I wasn't really even realizing that I was learning it. It wasn't a difficult task. They're going to become the evangelists for that. Right now, I would say we're ahead of our time quite a bit. I agree with you. In elementary school, the idea of a game that trains, we're going to teach teamwork by playing this particular game. It's absolutely there. You know, a lot of creativity in, in some of these teachers, but at the corporate level, the creativity is a little bit behind. So I think we're a little bit ahead of our time here, but I don't think we're, you know, I, I don't think we're leaning too far forward in the skis. As I look at the response people are getting, I'm like, I just need to get this in front of the right creatives at each company. And then they look at it and go, this is brilliant and we're going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Coming back to the gameplay element for a moment, just on you personally, what do you play? What are your favorite games or what are your favorite genres? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was. it's funny. Some of my best memories are, I have two sons that are 27 and 21 right now. And some of my best memories as they were growing up was playing video games with them. We played City of Heroes was a fun game because we're all into superheroes and comic okay. books and uh, everybody's into it now. I yeah, have a yeah. comic book collection. It was, again, one of those things I was embarrassed to say. It's like, well, what are those? Those are my comic books. Yep. Don't, don't yep. judge me. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you know, you actually know the origin of the vision, you know, and you've got the number, yeah. 50, Avengers number 57. It's cool, right? Yeah. But yeah, we played City of Heroes. That was one of our games we loved. Uh, we tried Champions Online when that came around. We okay. We played a lot of World Warcraft. Yep. We did a Command and Conquer, some of the old school ones there. Nowadays, unfortunately, I'm in startup mode, so I work 80-hour weeks, and I don't actually have a whole lot of time to play video games, even though... It is actually research for me, though, unfortunately, most of my time is spent in meetings from morning to evening. But uh, I do like Destiny. I like De as a first-person shooter. I think Destiny combines enough role-playing aspects with enough first-person shooter aspects to really be interesting. I do like uh, Elder Scrolls. The role-playing aspects of that one are incredibly detailed, and the, and the worlds are beautiful. Yep. You know, for anybody who played Dungeons & Dragons near a kid, yeah. look at that. I have not been able to get into Elden Ring. I downloaded it, and I'm kind of like, I feel like this is a learning curve that's going to take me more than the free time that I have. And so yeah. I never quite got into that. So, so they need a World of Haiku like intro for, for Elden Rings, kind of get you that learning, get you over. Do you need a World of Haiku intro level for Elden Rings to kind of get over that learning curve? 
Yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a profession trying to right. learn Elden Ring. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. I look at it and go, I'd like to be into this, but I don't think I have the time for that. Yeah. And then I, I go through the Xbox and I look through uh, for various games. I try not to play video games on my phone. I got caught into a Star Trek game one time that was pay for play, and I ended up like a couple hundred dollars into mm -hmm. it because people kept attacking my when I was yeah. sleeping, and I'm like, this is more stressful. This isn't This isn't fun. Yeah. This is stressing me, so I deleted the game. Yes, yeah. I think you made the right move there. I I'm, have a friend who was a game designer at one of those, and I, I may or may not be able to confirm that there is definitely a whoever pays the most wins element to a lot of those kind of free-to-play mobile attack strategy games. By the way, I myself, military kid, I lost my comic book collection in one of the many moves during my childhood. I do look back on that with yeah. some level of regret because I had, I think, the first 20 issues of G.I. Joe, which was something oh, that wow. I really gravitated to and, and who knows, might have been able to pay for a year of, of one of my daughter's universities at this point. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So a couple other things. What can you tell us about some of the future direction without, you know, obviously wanting to ask anything that you're not ready to talk about? But I think of cyber as such a broad, broad space. You talk about kind of, let's say, things yeah. oriented around kind of Kali Linux and, and you know, maybe some like offensive and de defensive training stuff there. You thought about, or I imagine you thought about expanding into other aspects of cyber, like cloud security, GRC, things like that. Or is that on the horizon at some point? Absolutely. One of the first things we got, the first feedback we got from World of Haiku is, is I need more content. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, we, we did find that our real true core fanatical audience of the cybersecurity folks, the gamers tend to be, they're looking for that quick hit, right? And so it, the, for the gamers, the feedback was always about, like one person came in and said, this game's only one hour of time. And I actually looked at that and I looked at their profile and I said, you have 10 and a half hours in the game, unless you played this 10 and a half times, you didn't finish this in an hour. But, you know, people like to brag, you know, that their time was, and they complain there wasn't enough time in there. But legitimate feedback from our cybersecurity people is, can you give me more content? I right. would love this. You know, I would love blue team. Yeah. And so we've got a free DLC coming out at the end of September, same, coincidentally, just the same time frame as our Haiku Pro release. And so we've got the free DLC coming out for World of Haiku. It's going to include a blue team mission because we got a lot of feedback on that. And by the way, in our Haiku Pro, we made sure that we're trying to do a third of the range is offensive, one third blue team one-third forensic, because, you know, as sexy and fun it is to talk about being a hacker, the reality is 90% of the jobs plus are in defensive. Defensive, yeah. 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 So we've got the blue team scenario coming out at the end of September in World of Haiku. We're looking at more mission repeatability. So if you're like in, you play Destiny, for example, and you go to the Vanguard missions, you've got side missions that have a certain amount of repeatability. We're looking to do that to help people build up their skills resume so that they don't just go through the game and go, well, okay, I only got NMAP 32 times, but the reality is it's kind of hard to go back and do the exact same thing again. We're going to give some repeatability. So somebody that wants to know every single switch on NMAP, we're going to give you a game and you can go ahead and whenever you have five or 15 minutes, you can go and play that and you can learn a new switch and learn a new way to do NMAP. And by the time you're done, you should really feel like I'm very, very comfortable with NMAP yeah. or whatever tool we have. Yeah. yeah. Those are a couple of things we're looking at. The other thing we're looking at that we're really, really excited about is people have been saying PVP. Can we do PVP? Can we do PVP? I came back from Black Hat and I was at the Cyber Games. And uh, it's funny, the stadium, you know, they have a whole Luxor has a whole stadium there and the stadium was empty. And myself and Coleman, our cybersecurity lead, he uh, were kind of like, I was like, this is really boring. I mean, yeah, I can tell the guy's doing cross-site scripting up there, but there's a reason nobody's sitting in the stands. This isn't that yeah. much fun yeah. I mean, to watch. You know, I mean, 
from a truly intellectual perspective when you know exactly what they're doing, but you have to immerse yourself into it to follow what they're doing. It's not like you can look at a tennis match and go, oh, okay, that was, that was a great hit. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of cognitive requirement to be able to actually understand what's going on. Yeah. And one of the, um, Eric Bellardo, he's a leader of Rice, he's and a cyber influencer, and he actually made a great comment to me. He goes, you get, you put the pew-pew factor into cybersecurity training. And he goes, if you can turn that into a PVP, now we've got something that was interesting that people would want to Twitch stream and people would want to actually sit in the stadiums because you can actually watch somebody yeah, yeah. from network to network in a yeah. fun, exciting video game way. And so we're working on that. Awesome. Um, it won't be until next year, but uh, we're going to stick to our core tenets of everything must be a real cybersecurity command, yeah. no getting around it when there's not going to be any fake kill the attacker. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden yeah. their computer. Yeah. Everything you do in there is going to be developing muscle memory on cybersecurity skills. And we're going to work on the other basics like game balance and the visual factor. What makes this interesting? And the goal from the PVP there is to get people, one, more time in there. So they're developing more muscle memory. And two is get people who don't know anything about cybersecurity looking and going, that looks super cool. And I think I want to do that, which yeah. nobody that goes to the cyber games would do that right now. Nobody who's not in cybersecurity goes, oh my God, this is cool. I want to, I want to get some of this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we want to give that, that fun factor and people are going, I don't know what they're typing, but I yeah. want to learn it because I want to play yeah. that game. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. One, one question that arose from something you said at the beginning of that was one of the things that I often hear from people is, and it's been a long time since I've been a practitioner, almost 20 years at this point, since I kind of shifted over onto product and, and sales and stuff. But I often hear from people that offensive and defensive mindsets are very, very different. And you'll hear yeah. that kind of, and I agree with you, by the way, like 90% of roles are defensive. So if you think about kind of jobs and careers, that's where most of, of the, that's where most of the legitimate money is. Let's put it that way. Right. But, but that's a good call. Yeah. But you often hear that yeah. on the offensive side, one of the things I hear is that, Hey, if you're trying to break into a system and you're not having luck, keep trying and try harder. And basically be more creative, start thinking about other tools, other techniques, you know, TTPs that you can bring to bear. Do you find that that's something that right. you want to kind of ex expand in people's mindsets in some of the design elements that you're, you guys are building out in World of Haiku? Yeah. I, one, I think you're exactly right. I think if you're, it's the same in the military as well. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, whoever sets up their defenses, they're generally not going for over creativity, right? They're right. going for very basics. Let's call the holes. Yeah. Let's have a, you know, roaming patrol. Let's take the physical example. Let's have a roaming patrol. Let's have a good alarm system. Let's have cameras in different places. Let's have dogs if we need to have dogs. Or if you're doing underwater, let's have other mammals that are used for defensive purposes against combat swimmer. Sorry, kind of taking the analogy like yeah. really far, yeah. but from the creative standpoint, you can look at that from the outside and go vulnerability analysis. And they're actually target analysis and vulnerability analysis. Um, course in the military to look at you'd say okay well there's a this is a missile defense system and it's extremely hardened extremely well defended how do i do it well it's only got one source of power and that power goes to that power station over there which is not defended at all i'm going to go hit that power station so it's the exact same thing from a it's one of the reasons i actually like cybersecurity because it's probably closer to actual modern warfare than most a lot of things you can do in the civilian world but it's a very similar thing is when you're putting up defenses, well, do I have all my defenses up to is my firewall up to date? Do I have everything patched? Do I have my rules in there? Do I have a good SIM? Am I, you know, what are my reports? How frequently are my reports going? How often are we analyzing our logs? From the outside, you're kind of looking at going, assuming they have the 
standard defenses in place, what am I going to do to get around them? Yeah. Am I going to do a USB drop that I'm going to drop in the parking lot? Those yeah. are the 70% yeah. success rate. That's always fun. Right. Am I going to social engineer because I'm kind of like Kevin Mitnick and I'm a real wizard at this and I'm going to go call the CEO's secretary and say, hey, this is Microsoft. Can I have your passport? And so you definitely have to be more creative. I think there's without a doubt doing that. And yeah. so we actually, if you, in Worldify Coop, particularly when you get past the training missions one through four and you go five, six, seven, that you very specifically, you've got to be creative when you go in there. And I see people on our Discord stuck all the time saying, there must be a bug in the game because I'm stuck. Yeah. And other people come in and go, there's a bug. Maybe try thinking about it this way or try yeah. thinking about it that way. And so we absolutely have the gamer's mindset game. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're a hacker, it's like playing a puzzle game. Yeah. How am I going to figure out this puzzle? You must think about it in a different perspective. You know, Rubik's Cube, I've got to turn it a different way yeah. than I was yeah. turning it before. Yeah. Yeah. And so we absolutely incorporate that. That's a key part of the, awesome. of the profession. Awesome. Well, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to, you know, ask one last question. Everything that we've talked about today, I think is super exciting. I think it's going to be really, really beneficial to everybody who goes through this training and for those who are trying to get started in the industry or level up or find career options. There's so much potential for people out there entering the cyber practitioner workforce. So kudos to you and your team for addressing a really serious need that we all have. I, on those lines, is there like an early success story that you can share with the audience, you know, an organization that you've worked with or some people that you can talk about? Anything would be awesome. I think that would be a great note to end today's discussion on. Yeah, thank you. I mean, the reception we had, you know, on Steam, we sold about 2,600 units in the first two weeks. I mean, just had a great reception. When I was at Black Hat, I wore a haiku shirt and I had people coming up to me and saying, you're haiku. And I'm like, I'm haiku. You've heard of it? They're like, oh my God, I love your game. And I'm like, oh. And I actually brought, I had a Comic-Con bag full of shirts. And so I gave shirts and people like, they go to the bathroom and put the shirts on right away because they want to, I'm like, okay, people love the game. I That's mean, awesome. they're like fanatical. I've seen them online kind of defending us. You know, one person came in and said, well, this is crap because of whatever people yeah, are sharing sure. online. Yeah. And I saw people, and, and it was actually interesting. I saw people leaping up to defend us. And to our lead point, our lead developer said, it's not a good look when our marketing people are so aggressive online. I said, these are our marketing people. I don't yeah. know who they are. Yeah, these are fans of the game. Yeah. Sound like our marketing, but they aren't. Yeah. And we've had some others as well. We, um, San Diego Cyber Center of Excellence, they bought the World of Haiku as their platform for training, World of Haiku and Haiku Pro as their platform for training. It's a nonprofit in San Diego based upon setting up a cyber center. San Diego State University, we have a pro partnership with them. They've got a cyber certification program and they knew about us. And when I sat and talked with John and Willie Ca Winnie Callahan, who are the, brains behind that whole certification program, they said, hey, we'd love to have your product as an additional offering for our certification program to give people the hands-on skills and the connection. So when they finish the certification, they've already got jobs that they know they can apply for, and they've got a skills resume showing what they've done. So they're super excited about it. I had another a person, a defense contractor, say, and I was actually just going to follow up with her, saying she'd like to buy it for all their employees as a corporate offering because the price, you know, we priced it at the price of a video game. Everybody's kind of stunned by that. I'm like, can, can I buy this? Yeah. So we've had a, a number of just real, real success stories where people in the industry are fanatical about what we've done and they want to see more. And then other people who say, we can use that. So yeah, I'm excited and knocking wood that we're going to keep offering things that people want and continue to expand our offering, improve it. You know, as I talk about the gaming engine, the learning engine there, I continually want to look at that and make it better and better every single time until finally people go, do you use haiku? You know, why not? That's the best way you can train people. That's kind of what I want to want to get out of this. 
That's fantastic. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And thank you for all that you and the team are doing over there to advance the overall kind of cyber community, bring people into the fold and help make the world a safer place for all of us who are doing anything online, which is pretty much everybody in today's world. Thanks again. My name is Jeremy. I've been the host for today's episode of the Ask a CISO podcast. Thank you to all of you in our audience for joining us. We'll see you next time.